Hello everybody and welcome in to episode number 323 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today and our focus is on how to live like a Christian in less than 100 words plus what is the shortest verse in the Bible and how do we quench the spirit. So our goal is to get you involved in thinking about the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, and living the Word of God. And we do that by reading a chapter and discussing it on this show. Welcome to new listeners in Meath, Ireland, Amman, Jordan, Stockholm, Sweden, Baden-Württemberg, Germany, Scotland, United Kingdom, Negros Occidental, Philippines, Perth, Australia, Hong Kong, Nova Scotia, Canada, Des Moines, Iowa, Phoenix, Arizona, Austin, Texas, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Omaha, Nebraska, Santa Barbara, California, Orlando, Florida, Jefferson City, Missouri, Sherman, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, and Fargo, North Dakota. I am happy to say that this week was pretty far and away the biggest week this podcast has ever had. So thank you all for that. And thank you for sharing the show and telling friends about it. We appreciate that. And I do want to mention our website, Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. As I often say, every episode of the podcast has a corresponding blog post on the show that includes a full transcript of most everything I say. Well, another pop quiz hot shot. I believe that's two in a row. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Now, if you said John 11.35, Jesus wept, then you're sort of right, but not really technically right. What do I mean by that? Well, in the most English Bibles, John 11.35 is indeed the shortest verse, but not in the original languages. For instance, in the Greek, John 11.35 contains three words, and 16 letters. One of our verses today, though, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, has only two words and 14 letters. The verse that says, rejoice always. So that is a shorter verse in the original Greek, but arguably it may not be the shortest verse in the Bible. I say arguably because it kind of depends on what you mean by shortest. I'll let you be the judge. Both Exodus 20.13 and Exodus 20.15 and Deuteronomy 5.17 contain seven letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Those are the commands, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. And the second uh, instance of thou shalt not steal in the Deuteronomy passage actually contains a couple more letters. Well, if you include the standalone Samek, which is a Hebrew character in those verses, it numbers three words. So each verse, Exodus 20.13, and Deuteronomy 5.17, has three words and seven characters. But the issue is, Biblical Hebrew does not contain vowels as characters in the same way that most languages do. Instead, the vowels are indicated as some sort of punctuation marks of a kind, and therefore it's kind of hard to know whether they should be included in the character count or not. Those vowels are pronounced, but they're not written the same as in Greek or English or most other languages, so that's a bit of a sticky wicket when it comes to determining the champion of the shortest verse in the Bible contest. But you know what? I'm going to arbitrarily award that title to 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Rejoice Always, due to the Hebrew vowel difficulty. But 
we will enter an asterisk into the official record book. Interestingly, at least interestingly to me, who likes kind of Bible trivia things, four, like four of the top, I think four of the top nine shortest verses in the Bible in the English language are in our chapter today, First Thessalonians, and all of them are in a tiny little section of that chapter, which is really kind of remarkable. First Thessalonians 5, 13b through verse 22 amounts to less than 100 words in the CSB translation, but they may just be the densest instructions in the Bible on how to live like a Christian. In exactly 93 English words here, Paul gives us a short, sharp series of instructions that basically amount to a a condensed version of how to live the Christian life. Here they are, starting in the second half of verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good Stay away from every kind of evil. So that's nine and a half verses, 14 commands in 93 words. Let's list those commands out. Number one, be at peace among yourselves. In other words, says Paul, no quarreling, no fighting. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. See 2 Timothy 2.24. Second one, warn those who are idle. The kingdom of God is no place for laziness, says Paul. He who shall not work shall not eat, he says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Number three, comfort those who are discouraged. In fact, Hebrews 3.13 says we should all encourage each other daily. And apparently the discouraged should be encouraged and comforted even more often than daily. Fourth command in this short little section, help the weak. A reminder of the exhortation that Paul gave to the Ephesians church leaders in Acts 20.35, he says, In every way I have shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Fifth command, be patient with everyone. Why? Because we're supposed to love everyone. And the first description of love we have in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is patient. Sixth command, do not repay evil for evil. In other words, do not seek revenge, but leave room for the Lord's wrath. As Romans 12, 19 says, we are not to be in the revenge business in any way, shape, or form. Seventh command in this passage, we must always pursue the good for one another, other Christians, and everyone else too. Paul words it this way in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Eighth command, rejoice always. This is like the shortest verse in the Bible in most understandings. This is a several times repeated command of Paul's, including a more famous incident in Philippians 4.4, where he repeats himself, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Repetition is always an indication of importance for us in the Bible. Number nine, 
Pray without ceasing. Continually pray. Always we are to be in an attitude of prayer. And Ephesians 6, 18 kind of expands this command and points us to the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help us maintain a posture of continual prayer. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition. To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. Tenth command, give thanks in everything. One key to rejoicing always is to be thankful for every blessing that God sends. In the Psalms, we find that the psalmist giving thanks dozens of times, and the prophet Isaiah looks forward to a time when the people of God will live in an attitude of thanksgiving. And he says, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name, make his works known among the peoples, declare that his name is exalted. Eleventh command in this tiny little section, we are not to stifle the Holy Spirit or don't quench the Holy Spirit, says the King James Version. What does it mean? How do we stifle the Holy Spirit? How do we quench the Holy Spirit? And our friends from Got Questions helps us understand this passage by saying, to understand what it means to grieve the Spirit, we must first understand that this indicates the Holy Spirit possesses personality. Only a person can be grieved, therefore the Spirit must be a divine person in order to have this emotion. Once we understand this, we can better understand how he is grieved, mainly because we too are grieved. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that we should not grieve the Spirit. We grieve the Spirit by living like the pagans, by lying, by being angry, says Ephesians 4.17-19, verse 25 and 26-27, by stealing, by cursing, by being bitter, by being unforgiving, and by living a sexually immoral life. To grieve the Spirit is to act out in a sinful manner, whether it is in thought only or in both thought and deed. And the twelfth commandment in this little section is don't despise prophecies. In other words, we're supposed to obey passages like 1 Corinthians 14.1, which says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Some who are theologically called cessationists believe that the New Testament gift of prophecy has ceased. I don't believe the Bible teaches that at all, and I believe we are to not despise prophetic utterances and that we are commanded to desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. But I hear you asking, what if they're false prophecies? What if somebody is not really prophesying under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Or what if in their prophecy they're saying something contrary to what the Word of God says? Well, I'm glad you asked because that gets us to number 13 command, test all things. Well, look, we must be like the noble Bereans in the book of Acts. All teaching we hear and all prophecy we hear must be weighed, must be tested. Note the command in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, two or three prophets should speak, says Paul, and the others should evaluate. All prophetic utterances must be carefully listened to, not despised, but also they must be evaluated, weighed, judged. By what standard? Our feelings, whether it makes us have goosebumps or not? No, the standard of testing and weighing must always be God's word. Prophecies that are in accord with God's word are good. Prophecies that are not in accord with God's word are evil and they must be tossed. What do we do after that testing process? Well, that gets us to number 14. We hold on to what is good and we stay away from every form of evil, says Paul. 
that's kind of two commands command combined is one there. Is this a continuation of his teaching on prophecies in this little section? In other words, this is how we handle good and bad prophecies, or is it more of a general command that we hold on to what is good and stay away from every form of evil? Well, how about both? In terms of evaluating preaching, prophecy, and just the regular living of our lives, Christians should hold fast or hold tightly to that which is good and biblical, and we are to run far away from and reject that which is evil. So there you go. 93 words of Paul that we should listen to, learn, and memorize that tell us pretty clearly and quickly how to live a Christian life that pleases God. Well, let's go ahead and read our chapter in whole. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. About the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we all belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and to regard them highly, very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecy, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. What a great blessing to end with. Let's close with our Bible memory passage for the month of November. It's John 14, 6. Let's say it together. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.